0: Hi, I'm Ross Grieve, and you're listening to He Shoots, He Draws.
1: Welcome to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography and design, with your hosts, Glyn Dewis and Dave Clayton. Hello, and welcome back to He Shoots, He Draws podcast. Thank you for joining us again. I'm Dave Clayton, and joining me this week is the He Shoots fella, we are, it's we Glyn. are back together again. It's we me, mean I miss you when you're away. <laughs> but um, the, this week we've got an interview, it's the three of us. It's uh, you, me and a guest. Yes. It's somebody who you would have heard at the start of the show, Ross, Ross Grieve. Um, uh, Glenn actually knew Re- Ross before I did, um, but I met him at the photography show last year. Well, oh, actually, no, this year, still 2019. Yeah, this year, mate, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, tell, tell the audience a little bit about Ross because you knew him before I did. Yeah, I've known Ross from being on the circuit when you're doing the talks
2: at uh, kind of conferences, exhibitions and what have you, and he's just one of those guys you've never, ever heard a bad word said about him. Everybody likes Ross, and, and pretty much like you, and I'm not just saying this to butter you up, but if you ever heard anybody saying they didn't like Ross, you'd wonder what was wrong with them. Do you yeah. know what I mean? He's just the guy that everyone likes. But, I mean, we kind of said... Um, I mean, the reason that we wanted Ross on the show anyway, but that was 100% confirmed when it came to uh, the photography show at the beginning of this year when you, as you do, you know, you manage and look after and coordinate all the live stage stuff. And Ross was on the live stage. And uh, I came and stood with you while Ross started his presentation. And I stood there at the start and I was still there at the end. And I've never done that in a presentation on the live stage before. Ross's presentation on street photography was outstanding it and pictures that spoke for you know the quality was just fantastic anyway but his presentation was great he actually made me want to go off and do street photography
1: i was just going to say the same thing Mm. he made me want to go and pick up a camera and like go straight out and do it and i think that is a sign of somebody who conveys the passion they have but also shows you like you can do it you just have to do it a lot to get better at it but it's something, like he says in the interview, it's already out there.
2: But he talked about something in this interview, which, I, which I'm really glad he did. Because I think, like you, mate, when you think about street photography, or certainly when I have, you kind of think that it's all very cloak and dagger, all very kind of covert and sneaky and stuff like that. And Ross explains that his way of doing street photography is actually complete, you know, 180 on that. He does speak to the people, you know, that he's photographing. He does get permission. He does do model releases. And which was really encouraging, and it was good to hear. And the fact that he does that, maybe that's why his pictures are the way they are. Because he's not having to be so sneaky. Clearly, he understands lighting. I mean, he actually said, this is the first guest we've ever had who mentioned film photography. (laughs) Do you know (laughs) what I mean? So, he's come from that world. So, he clearly understands all the light and everything, and... He's just, you know, you can see that he's in his happy place when he comes to street photography. I, I loved it. And, I-, I mean, chatting to Ross, I knew it was going to be good. And it literally was. Like we always said in this podcast, like three blokes sat together round- down the pub having a chat. It was brilliant.
1: Yeah. And it's great also that uh, Ross will mention it at the end. But he also started his own podcast talking about photography. Mm-hmm. He's got the experience. He's got the relationships. And he, and he is just such a nice guy. He just is, such yeah. a nice guy to be around. And uh yeah, I think we'll, we'll just crack Let's on, mate. just crack mate. on with it. Right? Yes, yeah,
2: so I'll bring yep. it in the usual way, I guess, of uh, Ross.
0: Who are you? Gosh, who am I? I'm a photographer who got into photography through a darkroom is uh, the best way to describe it. I was um, fascinated with that chemical process back in school and I had to learn that way. It's film and developing for you. Those of you who don't know what that is. I'm glad you clarified that because I didn't.
1: <laughs> yeah, being indulged in chemicals at school. I mean, can I, can
2: I just, yeah, can I just say that out of all the guests we've had so far, nobody's ever mentioned that. So you are, you're great. This is
0: groundbreaking.
2: <laughs> I, I, uh, I I would never have been involved in it if had it been the old film and stuff. But uh, I'm glad I, you said I, I, that. I because just
0: sort of geeked out a bit on it. I just thought I, I need to know how that image appears on that piece of paper and, because yeah. I, I love printing and, and that sort of sort of pulled me into it and that year, for you skateboarders out there, I photographed the Bones Brigade, which is like Tony Hawk and all those guys yeah, when I was I know 17. That. Whoa, okay, that's a well,
2: big deal. What, we, <laughs> one, one of the things <laughs> we, we try, one of the things we try to avoid, is doing the, the sort of typical cliche kind of questions. But I've got to say, mate, I I, I actually don't know how you got involved in all this. So I, I would really like to know how you became a photographer. What actually led you down that path? So can you just tell us how that happened?
0: Yeah, so I I was also sort of into my, my photography, my best mate's mum, she was a, a sort of grave artist and she really encouraged me you know we go out take photos of skateboarding and things like that and she said you've got a real eye for it so I at school I studied it I loved it and at school I decided that's what I want to do I want to be a photographer when I when I leave I want to have a, a career as a photographer so I'm 17 and I'm making this decision then I left school I didn't get a job as a photographer funny enough like most of us worked in retail for four years a year as a graphic artist. And then I got a job as a photographer at AJ Hackett Bungee in Queenstown. So my job was to photograph people jumping off bridges and jumping out of helicopters at the time as well. Um, and a bit of filmmaking it was involved. And then I launched um, with a colleague over there. We launched uh, a, a production company. I did all the photography side. She did the video. And uh, it sort of rolled from there. And then um, when I was living in Queenstown, this uh, Welsh girl came around and Sort of, uh, we met each other, and she would me re- back to Wales as a souvenir, and and Ross Green Photography was born in the UK. Wow! So,
1: so, you were shooting those events on film at the time?
0: Oh, yeah. So you would be shooting uh, thirty six. You'd have uh, one, two, three, four, uh, four shots you'd have to do off three cameras uh, when you're shooting bungee. There would be they'd come out. You do a wide shot. You do a wave. There'd be an overhead camera, which the video guy would trigger, and then. Um, on the rebound, you would take one then as well. And sometimes you would run out of film when they're coming up for their rebound. So you, I think 40 seconds is a quickest I've changed to film. We, we timed it one day. But because uh, you're trying to squeeze that 37th shot out and sometimes <laughs> it just wouldn't be there.
1: <laughs> like Formula One uh, will change it.
0: <laughs> yeah. But, God, I,
2: I could not deal with the stress of having the film. I, I've spoken to people before when they said they used film when they're photographing weddings. And he was using like a Hasselblad. And he talked about having elastic bands up his forearm. And they'd like a film of twelve, and then you'd have to take the band off, wrap it on the film, take another one out. I just, whoa, that's serious stress. Yeah, so I, I mean, I just, I just never, ever could have dealt with the stress of having to do the uh, the old film stuff, which is why I was kind of like, wow, we're actually talking to somebody who used film. I'm sure there were others that we've spoken to who have, but they, but they didn't admit it.
0: But what it, what it did give you it, actually that bungee jumping sort of uh, career gave me a really good grounding for like wedding photography, what you went into because you're quite disciplined in shooting the amount you shoot, especially when you're. On on film you sort of you because you want your um to be cost, cost effective you don't want to just shoot or spray and pray if you like like you can these days you you had to shoot um to save yourself money on a limited amount of film because you got your processing and all that to follow and you know there wasn't usb sticks around in those days so you had to sort of uh sort of be economical um but it, it, it sort of built things up, and also for sports photography and portraiture and things like that, you got to understand light um, and how all that worked um, in sort of a very disciplined light. I mean, I'm very, very self-taught myself. Uh, I, I did some uh, business up in the Lake District as well, some business training up there, um, which I met some amazing people in the industry as well. We're still really good friends. Um, but when I, when I launched in the UK, um, I wanted to use uh, Queensbury Albums because being from New Zealand – I wanted to use them and the product I wanted to uh, target people was a high-end wedding product and everyone said no you'll never it'll never work over here no one's doing it and as soon as they said no one's doing <laughs> it oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: brilliant <laughs> game on game yeah. on <laughs> so the thing about doing what you did as well when you do talk to photographers who started with film and obviously like Glenn saying oh I couldn't cope with that I guess as well, it's because Glenn, like you've got a point of reference. So you already know what digital can do. So mm. if somebody said to you now, go back to film, you'd be stressed. But back in the film days, no one knew digital would, would even be a thing. Yeah, Everyone, yeah, yeah. Th- there was nothing to compare it to. So I guess you just picked a camera up and got on with it. There was a tool for the job. You know, there, there you go. You crack on. but Your,
0: your film well, was your memory card, and, you know, you, you trust your equipment like you do today. It's sort of similar things. You just haven't got a very big memory card. I just, <laughs> I just
2: remember sort of having, like, I had an Instamatic, not Instamatic, you know, the kind of camera where you just put those contained films in, like, a little plastic thing. You, oh, yeah, yeah. you open up, shove it in the back, and it was either a roll of 24 or 36. And you'd just snap away, not having a clue, and then I'd go and go to Boots and then do the one-hour processing and sit outside just twiddling my thumbs waiting. And then when eventually walk in and get them, hopefully you don't get the look because you forgot some pictures were on the roll that shouldn't have been, uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you know what I mean. Um, but then you'd kind of come what out and discreetly look through them, and out of a roll of thirty-six, I'd probably end up with about four that were okay. And I was like, oh. So, so digital for me was like, thank. God for that, <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> but then I wasn't doing the photography. Then it was just like anybody
1: else. With a camera, I'm annoyed because I, I did do darkroom at school. I remember, I remember being in the darkroom, and I just because I wasn't very good at science at the time, it felt like I was doing science, and I couldn't understand why these liquids were doing this stuff to the paper. And more than anything, I probably just liked skipping out of a class and standing in the darkroom with someone else who knew what they were doing, and. Um, I remember experimenting with some stuff, but looking back, it's like, God, I really wish I'd paid attention because it would have been good for, for my age at that time to have mm-hmm. learned that. And who knows, you know, I'd, I'd yeah, be a yeah. half-decent photographer, but I'm it not. Could, the, the podcast could have gone, he shoots, he shoots. Shoots, yeah. He yeah. shoots, he shoots? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, Ross, was was
2: there much, when, when the digital uh, kind of started to show itself and everyone's taken interest in that, were you somebody who embraced it, or did you kind of resist it?
0: I resisted it actually. I was very late to go into digital. Um, I, I was very unsure of the technology at the time, and I was I was in my like you you were very comfortable with digital. I was very comfortable with film at the time, and I was unsure of digital, so I really held back and in, in stepping over. I think eventually, I, and when I did step over, my first digital camera was a, a Fuji S two, I think it was. Um, and I remember the shoot I did, it was a corporate gig up in London. And then it was just like, oh, this is a revelation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sold. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then then you're sort of going, you know, on the business mind comes out, you're sort of going through your head, oh, how many rolls of film am I saving on processing and, and time and turnaround and all that sort of thing. But then you've got to adjust. The thing I noticed is once you start shooting digital, you know, you've taking away that luxury of a lab who would do your colour correction and things like that, mm-hmm. suddenly you are doing it. But, you know, that's easier these days again. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. you know, I like things at work and, you know, it, the, the way the industry's changed now is incredible, you know, as, as consumers, and I say it a lot to people, as consumers, we're so lucky because we get everything thrown at us. Um and photography's becoming affordable again, which is great to see.
2: Absolutely, yeah. It's great. All that competition between all the brands, it's, it's a good thing for us, isn't it? Because Absolutely. Because they're Gary always I'm fighting, fighting to be the one <laughs> who's got the next latest and greatest and what have you. But uh... Ross,
1: did you find when you went from film to digital, because uh, so I, I don't have that um, capability, but looking at it from a design point of view where, you know, I used to do it by hand, now I've got a computer. Did your pricing theory change? Hmm. Because obviously... There's a lot more pressure with film. There's a lot more, you know, you've got the processing. It's a more manual thing. When you, I've always wondered, when you go to digital, not that it's easier, but did your pricing methods change because good it question. was easier? Yeah.
0: Not, well, no, not really. Um, good question too, Martin, because um, you would sort of think, well, you know, your overheads have reduced um, in materials, but then your, your labour side is going up. So it sort of balances itself out. Okay. Um, so the costs sort of – I mean, my prices didn't change. If anything, they probably went up um, because there was new equipment you're investing in, um, you're learning, you're training, you're investing in as well. Um, so that, that sort of uh, kept the prices about the same. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess some people may have dropped their prices thinking that way, but everyone thinks mm. differently, don't they?
2: Yeah. Now, now we obviously – you know, we were talking before we actually started recording this that, you know, we wanted to get you on this – ever since i'd say for definitely ever since the beginning of this year because i for the first time ever when i was at the photography show you were presented on the stage that dave manages and and kind of controls who's on there and that kind of stuff you were on there and you were doing street photography talk on street photography and i've already said to you it was the first time i've ever stood at the live stage on the side of it, and watched an entire presentation. It's it amazing compl- what Velcro on your shoes will do. <laughs> completely, I was yeah, I was. Nothing. He it was, was completely... raving about you. He was, he was actually I was raving. raving about
1: you before he yeah. even saw you. He was like, "You've got to meet Ross Graves. Really nice guy." And yeah. so he was, he was, fired up for you. So no yeah. pressure. But
2: but, I, but I, I mean, that's the that's the street street photography kind of stuff, and we'll talk about that more in a minute. But but is that something that you do purely for your own uh, enjoyment? Or or what is that? Is that your kind of like your main thing, or is there something else?
0: Um, street photography uh, did. It was sort of my therapy because I love going up to London and looking at galleries and things like that. So I and when you live down in Pembrokeshire, it be- can become very insular and you're in a bubble, and you need to burst out of that bubble and, and get inspired. So I would go up to London and go to galleries and look around, and then I sort of I, I love watching sitting down and watching people. I like coffee. I like cake. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so the things all sort of you know the planets aligned and and I started <laughs> sh- sort of shooting street photography and it was fantastic and I and I really really enjoyed it and then um, people started asking me if I'd talk about it but my main um, my main business is actually commercial and portrait photography um, so I've got a, a studio down here in Pembrokeshire and I travel around the UK and I travel around the world I was out in Japan last month I'm shooting out there a commercial shoot. Um, but gutted it, it wasn't this month when the World Cup's on. But there we are. <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean that that is my core business. But the street photography side is actually growing, and I didn't expect that to grow the way it has, which is is really quite cool because I enjoy it.
2: The, the presentation that you did, I mean, obviously you know street photography. We know, I think mutual friends, we know that do the street photography stuff. But like I said, I, I was literally just stood there and just like, love that, love that. There was just something different about your street photography. It actually, you know, you know, like when some people say, oh, my pictures tell a story. Mm. And you're kind of thinking, does it? I, I've, yeah. I I can't see it, but, you know, I'll take your word for it. But yours kind of, yours did, yours really did feel like a freezing of a moment. And you thought, "God, oh, that's great. Perfect timing with that. Love the composition with that. Look how interesting that is. I would have never thought of photographing that. So so when it comes to doing the street photography, I mean, is that something that you you naturally kind of felt, this this really is kind of, this is me, this is what I love to do because I'm fascinated by it. I couldn't do it because I wouldn't, I just, I don't know. There's just that thing about photographing strangers. There's an strangers. art to it, isn't there? There's oh, there's definitely artist. an art to it, yeah.
0: It's, well, I, I sort of... Fell into it a bit as well because back in the day um, Panasonic asked me to go and sort of shoot some 4K photography stuff for them. So I thought, oh, street photography, that would be cool. And I went up to London and started shooting that way and I was shooting both stills and in 4K because I could uh, get a high frame rate and freeze stuff a lot quicker. And then my technique sort of developed more. So I was just shooting normal stills as well and mixing the 4K stuff in. Um, But yeah, its um, I think... It's one of those things, if we all went out and photographed the same subject, the results would be completely different. The way we look at um, a subject, the way we interpret, the way we're going to expose it, photograph it, treat it, whatever, you're going to always have a, a different end result. And that, you know, the way sort of minds work on how we actually see something, because I'm a very impatient, strict photographer. There's some, <laughs> I see it, I take it, I move on. And maybe that's my film background, um... But there's some photographers who'll wait. You know, they'll wait for the long shadows. And I really can't be bothered with that. If I'm honest,
1: that's <laughs> what a Jay Mazel does, doesn't he? he sits just in thinking New the York. Same thing, mate. He'll like he'll plot up on a on a set of stairs, and he'll just sit there in front of a bright yellow wall, just waiting f- all day for yeah. the right person with the right wearing the right coloured top. And you know, he'll take 300 photographs. He'll get the one he wants, and this card, the 299. But he's probably it's like I said, it's like fishing. You know, I c I, I don't like fishing. I could never sit on a riverbank for eight hours in the pouring rain to catch something I'm gonna throw back.
0: <laughs> 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 and I, I see that uh, Yeah, and I see <laughs>
1: that kind of photography as well there's some there's some dedication and some like patience for your art to to put all that time in to capture that one and you might walk away at the end of the day with nothing
0: but i i also think the people who the the street photographers who live in the city are more patient because they've got the time they can go back to those locations yeah. and i sort of think i've got a limited time up here i've got to get around as many places as i can so that maybe be be could be a way why i sort of tear around a little bit um but and place you know i've, I've got to have more cake to keep me going <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have
2: you ever had and this is this is something that i'm you know this is probably one of the reasons i don't really want to do it i guess have you ever had any moments where you think oh this is a bit dodgy or when you've been you've been proper like whoa whoa whoa, sorry sorry you know yeah i, it have,
0: really I have i have once actually um and it was in a market and basically gone to this market and I, I always go to the management office in a market because the market is private property so to shoot on there uh in any sort of commercial capacity you've got to have permission and really if you're gonna photograph you should ask permission anyway. Uh, so I, I went to the, the office and they said, "Yeah, cool. Yeah, I love for you to go around and take some stuff. Go and see this guy. He sort of runs the market for us, and he's really keen on having his photo taken. He loves it." So oh, thank you. So I went over and found the uh, the, the market stall within the market. He was talking to someone. His assistant was there, so I got chatting to her, and there was a beautiful photo. He was talking to two people, so their backs to, were towards me, and he's talking to this couple the light coming uh, through the market was just absolutely gorgeous. Given that a lot of mine, uh, my photos are black and white, but this would have been amazing in color. And I, and I I shoot on quite a small camera. It's like a little Lumix GX9, 15 mil. So in micro thirds, it's 30 mil in full frame terms. Um, I I just put it down low and I took a shot, maybe two and very, very quiet and he clocked me taking them and he went absolutely nuts. And I had, and completely my fault, completely my fault. I completely misjudged the situation. I should have made eye contact with him before I'd taken it to make sure he was happy with it. But because the information had been sort of fed before, um, I sort of assumed, you know, he was used to it. But again, I was completely wrong. So he stopped the conversation with the couple, spoke to me and said, in quite a stern voice, <laughs> you know, Take those off there now. I remove those photos. And I went, yes, absolutely. Here they are. Delete, delete them. I'll sort them of inside dine because they were beautiful. Um, and I thought, do you know what? I could either just walk away and he's just going to think that's another photographer who's annoyed me or I can stay here and actually chat to him and sort of explain my mind process and um, what I was thinking. So I stayed and I chatted to him. I chatted to him for about 45 minutes Um And we got it like a house on fire, actually, going really well. And he understood where I was coming from. And I said, look, he said, look, if you'd just waited for me just to give you a little nod, wouldn't be the problem. I said, absolutely. I should have waited for that and completely acknowledged I was at fault. Turns out anyway, after we got talking and I went back to the management office, um, which they apologized for what happened. I said, no, no, it wasn't your fault. And the guy in the market, he said, now, I'd love you to come back and I want to take you around every market uh, stall person here so you can photograph them and get them in their best Um, because if I'm with you, you will get them at their best. So what's come out of a really bad situation is now a possible book. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And that's Um, the
1: thing with everything. And I say to people, no matter what you're in, if you get your communication right, everything else just falls into place. Just show a little bit of respect, communicate well, be polite, um, you know, and and kind of understand the environment you're in, and what how you're going to convey your message to that person, because they might have a minute, they might have forty five minutes. You don't know that. You don't. Oh, he know what can kind of for
0: Britain this guy. I'll tell you, but <laughs> but uh, I was he he sent me a really nice email. Actually, we swapped details, and and uh, he sent me a really nice email um, that he had explained that he had had a bad um, incident with someone but like you say it doesn't cost anything to say please and thank you or hello a lot of people don't even say hello and that's the friendliest thing you can say to someone isn't it
2: but i think i think that's what's turned me off with the the street photography side of things is it's it always seems to be something like a, like something that you do in stealth mode trying to capture and i kind of put myself in the position of being somebody photographed or maybe being with my wife and i caught let's say if i saw some guy photograph my wife I'd go ape. I'd you would, absolutely yeah, absolutely. Go ape. Do you know what I mean? So, I mean, for, for you then, what what is your kind of process? Let's say you're out and about, you're walking around, say London, for example, um, and you might see a couple. Do you actually speak to everybody that you're going to photograph before, or do you speak to them speak to them afterwards?
0: So, well, after that incident, this that incident actually happened this year in January, um, and before that, I would, I would sort of judge it, and I probably wouldn't go up to people Um, until after but I would always approach them because you don't know their situation their personal situation if then you publish a photo of them that could actually bring them harm So it's the world we live in unfortunately Um, so I have taken photos in the past and then approached the person and said I've taken this of you I don't mind what do you think and I'm more than happy to send it to you I've always had that in the past, apart from one time this year. Um, and that, that's normally our approach. But you'll find a lot of my photos, I will drag the shutter. So it, it creates that anonymity within it. And there'll be a figure within that who knows they're being photographed. And they will be sharp, like uh, the Herod's Dormans, a classic one. Um, but I also carry on my phone, I've got some model releases on my phone. There's an app uh, called... E- I mean, easy
2: Release, is it that
0: one? E- easy Release, that's yeah. the one. Uh, and that, that's the one I use, and it, it's brilliant. Works perfectly. Everyone's happy. Everyone I photograph will get a, 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 an image sent through to them.
2: But w- but when you like, let's say this is a complete stranger to you that you think, yeah, that make a great photo. You take the photo, you then kind of like speak to them and you sort of say about it, and you sh- you then bring out the the phone to say about a model release. Does that ever change things with people thinking, well, what are you going to do with it then? What's it yes, for? absolutely.
0: Some people will go, no, I'm not happy with that, and you just have to respect it. Um, you can't just. There's an image I took, and I would love to use it commercially, and I've been asked to use it commercially. Um, and it's, it's a Muslim man, and he's walking uh, near. Brooklyn. Seen it,
2: seen it going yep. past this. There's a wall. He's walking past or something. Is that right? And he's going off to the right hand side.
0: Says don't shoot. You,
2: you showed you showed that at uh, the photography show, and I remember That's that. Right. I thought, wow.
0: And and everyone interprets that picture differently. That's a photo I really held back from showing. Uh, I almost didn't show it at the photography show because it can be quite a sensitive uh, image, um, being a Muslim man walking in front of a wall of graffiti that says don't shoot. Um, it, it, it actually won UK Street Photography the year um, and then the judges asked me afterwards, uh, was it staged? And I went, absolutely not. And I'm like I said, I'm trying to track the guy down because um, he's got a cannibal red ball, he's got a cigarette and he's, it was about one o'clock in the afternoon and he's either on his way back from worship or on the way back from lunch. And it's one of those things when you take a photo and you know you've nailed it, you look at your screen, wow, you look up and he's gone. gone. Yeah. <laughs> and just like, oh, my God, where is he? But um, And that that's why I, a lot more of my photos now have got a lot of drag shutter or there'll be silhouettes. So that removes that identity part so then I can sort of use them. Um, in a commercial sense because people are not identifiable never photograph children that's just a no-go
2: He Shoots, He Draws is sponsored by X-Rite X-Rite bring you the very best professional colour management tools in the industry offering you the flexibility you need to easily achieve precise colour every time Check out the brand new i1 Display Studio and i1 Display Pro Plus, both enabling you to calibrate and profile desktop monitors, laptops, projectors and mobile devices for consistent, accurate colour. Each device uses its own simple and clear interface, giving you the most control and confidence that so you'll always get the most accurate colours, the best blacks, shadows and dark colours with consistent monitor-to-print matching. Save time, money and frustration by using x professional calibration tools. He Shoots, He Draws listeners can get 25% off by visiting xritephoto.eu and using the code COLOUR25. That's C-O-L-O-U-R-2-5. What, what, what about the, uh, I mean, the sort of like, um, the, the thing I tend to think about, and maybe a lot of people do as well, when it comes to street photography, you tend to think of maybe the homeless because of the, the, you know, the subject matter. And, and I remember going back a good few years ago now, I think, Dave, you might have been with me. We did some kind of like a, a photo walk thing around Windsor. And I remember one in particular, there's the bridge that goes from Windsor across to Eton. And there was, a, there was a homeless guy sat there just minding his own business. And I've gone up to him and kind of asked, you know, there was not, not many other people around me. I've asked, would you mind if I took your picture? And I've actually given him, it felt the right thing to give him some money to put Absolutely. into his little pot that he had. And I've taken his picture. And I've said thank you and then kind of moved on. Next thing I know, I turn around and the group of people that had been with me, Saw me do it, and they are all over him like paps. You know what I mean, oh, all man. over him. Oh, going, Trap, Trap, tap, tap. And you could just see that he was, he was, uh, he was embarrassed because all the attention's on him. And it was just like, oh my god, what have I done? Allowing, you know, what have I done to sort of create this? Do you know what I mean? So, I mean, do you photograph? I think in fact, I vaguely remember there being a a picture that you showed of somebody who's homeless.
0: Is uh, last Christmas I went to, um, I went to London, and I wanted to create this. Uh, Contrast of Christmas uh, series It was just two photos I wanted And one was a dormant at Harrods Everything's lovely People rushing by at Christmas time um, You know the, The classic Christmas scene The next photo is a guy called Mark Who's just outside Leicester Square Station And I approached him Before I took the photo and I said, uh, hi, Mark, uh, do you mind if I take, oh, I didn't say hi, Mark, because I didn't know his name by that point. <laughs> <laughs> You're good. Stage, stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you what, the crystal yeah. wall. He's at stage. <laughs> no, I didn't know Mark at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just approached him and said, do you mind if I take your photo? And he said, and he said oh, what's it for? He said, because I've been taken advantage of before. And I said, look, I just want to create a couple of photos. I've done one at Harrods, which is showing the other end of the spectrum, of the contrast, of Christmas, and I'd like to photograph you to show what it's, it's like for someone in your position to be really unfortunate. And he said, "Yeah, absolutely." Um, and a way I find to find it if they're genuinely homeless, um, I will always give them a card. I say, "Look, I'll email this to you, and uh, what's your email address?" And his response was, um, well, here is the center's email address. If you can send it to them, I might, might be able to see it on their computer. Now, if he had turned around and given me his hotmail address, yeah, I would have yeah, thought, yeah. Mm. But he was a really nice guy, and um, he just sat there and obviously put money in his in his hat. Yeah. Um, so you can have something hot to eat as well. Um, but it's really interesting. You meet actually meet some really nice people, unfortunately, who are homeless. Um, but... It, in a way, you're sort of promoting that there are homeless people in the UK, which it sh- there shouldn't yeah. be.
2: It's just people who've just fallen on bad times. And the thing Absolutely. is, I suppose, the more you meet these people as well, and I've kind of got to know a few of people in that situation through the projects I'm working on at the moment, there's a guy I know called Danny Greenow who runs a veterans charity and he deals with people who are veterans who are fallen on hard times. And these are people who, you know, they've served our country and there's countless veterans now, modern day veterans who are living rough because they're incredibly proud people and it takes them a lot to speak up. So they end up going in really hard time. So you just, I mean, Mark, therefore, you know, he could have been an ex-serviceman. You just don't know.
0: No, you don't know. Um But he, he, he was amazing. He was just so humble and friendly and he was happy to be photographed. And he, un- he completely understood. He, and he wasn't drunk or anything like that. You know, the this stereo, this stereotypical yeah, yeah. mindset, which people think homeless people are, and they're not. The like you say, people who have fallen on hard times. Um, and I think the best thing you can do is, you know, try and help them. You well, that's know, that's it,
2: why I didn't like it, that thing that, you know, that experience that I had when everyone else was like, literally just jumped on this guy. And they were just using him as, it was, it was just a piece of meat. It was a piece of street furniture that was there for them to photograph. And it's like, I yeah. oh, that just felt awful. So I never did it again. because if, if
0: I go out, I'll either go with my own or there'll be one other person with me. Um, I'll never, never go with a group of people because, um, I mean, you went to know that was going to happen, mind, but, um, um, it, if you're on your own, you, are less likely to, to attract attention. People aren't going to look at you. What are you doing? Um, and also because you can also trigger, uh, phones, uh, cameras now with your phone, people don't look at you. They think you're on your phone. You can be quite stealthy that way, but you don't necessarily have to photograph people's faces as well. You can get beautiful images and not photograph faces. Um, But yeah, if you want to, if you want to get into street photography, you've just got to have a moral compass. That's all it comes down to. Just common sense. Treat people as humans. If you don't want to be treated that way, then don't take the photo. Uh, I I
2: don't know how, I'm sure Dave, me and you spoke about this. There were some videos going back, it must be a couple of years, if not longer now, that we both talked about some of these videos we'd seen of people who were doing street photography and they were on YouTube and how aggressive they were with it and if people complained it was all the expletives coming out this is a public uh, place
1: i can do what i want you know you're in a public place i can shoot here and yeah it's i i mean i i absolutely love street photography of all the genres of it it's my favorite thing because like all the most iconic photographs in the world aside from portraits the most iconic photographs were taken in a moment that could not have been set up or be recreated. Yeah. They they were just captured. And that's why I like street photography, because it is like a skill you have to hone and you have to know what you're looking for. And it's all those, I want to use the big posh J word for it, Chuck's position, but it's <laughs> oh, when, nice. when all the things come <laughs> together and you capture it, whether it's for yourself or whether it's for commercial, you just hit that moment where yeah. I, I don't like studio photography, because it seems so forced you know it's it's there's so much time spent on making it it just to me doesn't impress me as much Um, and we you know we we joke about the the purpose of the pose yeah, yeah. <laughs> um where, because they're all the classic shots of collar up hands on face neck back against the wall. you know that, that those are all the, those stock ones but when you get like an a, an an eighty year old man in a street holding a cigarette laughing his head off because his mates told him a joke i'd have that print on my wall every day of the week exactly but a girl in the studio you know collar up Looking up, I, you know, bit of, bit
2: of smoke. Yeah. For the person who's <laughs> taken a photo of. The, a of smoke. Private joke. <laughs> Private <of> joke. <laughs> <laughs> but, but if you've
0: taken a photo of that guy in the street laughing at his mate's joke, wouldn't it be amazing if a photographer came up to you and said, I've just taken this amazing photo of you and your mate? Oh, yeah. Would oh, you totally. like me to send it? Would, yeah. would you like me to send it to you? Yeah. Wouldn't that be amazing?
2: There, there was one time I've been going back a while now that. Do you remember the thing called the bulldog bash? Have you ever heard of the Bulldog Bash? It was basically a a huge biker's kind of convention. And I'm not a biker, obviously. But what are you looking at me like that for? (laughs) (laughs) Listen,
0: hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. (laughs) Hear
2: me (laughs) out. It's called the Bulldog Bash. Jesus, you're going as red as Dave's shirt now. Pack it in. Listen, it's called the Bulldog Bash. They don't actually do it anymore, I don't think. But basically, it was a huge event every year where bikers like Hells Angels and all these other groups would converge. I don't know if it was always there, but it was. we went to one when it was at Stratford-upon-Avon. We just happened to go there, not knowing it was on, turned up and thinking, there's a lot of bikers here today. And there was just thousands <laughs> upon thousands of bikers. It so happens that the year we went, I don't know if you remember this, but on the M40, the guy, when he was riding home, was shot. Do you remember hearing that on the news? I remember And the guy that, was yeah. riding on his motorbike on the way back, and the car's pulled alongside, and they reckon it was a real hit, you know, proper hitman job. Anyway, that's by the by. But anyway, we're kind of, uh, we're walking around Stratford, which is a lovely place, if you've never been there, uh, Shakespeare's home. And we go into this uh, school, Shakespeare's School, just have a look around. And when we go in there, there's these two bikers, right? And one of the guys looked like the bloke out of Roadhouse. What was his name? Sam, somebody or that, other, you know, with a big... Uh, the, the beard and what have you. And I said to my missus, I said, oh, wow, I'd love to photograph them. So she goes over and says, my husband's, husband's a photographer. He'd love to photograph you. And they were really, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Took their pictures, drop a portrait, I kind was of really happy with it. And I got their details and I posted it to them. And then they've replied back saying they loved it. And that felt brilliant. I mean, that's not yeah. street photography. No, but it was but it, a completely impromptu kind of photo shoot that I hadn't planned, which I guess is kind of similar.
0: I think a lot of people, uh, street photography, they forget how to be human. And like you're just saying, you, you know, you've done the human thing, you've gone up to someone, or you've always gone up to someone and, and spoken to them. And and that's a human thing where the problem with street photography is now is phones uh, that people are so used just to taking snaps, snap, snap, putting on their story, whatever they do, recording their life, rather than actually interacting with people. And so interaction with people, you actually get the results. And you sort of start to entrench yourself into that, that area as well. I think if I lived in London, I would go to the same place time and time again. So people would be familiar with me going there. So every time i turn up, they'd know, oh, Ross is here. Brilliant. You know, he's going to take photos, whatever. And then share them with them as well. Have an exhibition in the area, you know, raise profile of the area, all that sort of thing as well. So um, I think it's just, that's the way the world has gone and with social skills and stuff like that. There's a severe lack of it. Yeah, you did um, right.
2: Yeah, with people's faces down now, just looking at their phones, it's kind of the art of communication, isn't it? But we could we could potentially sound like a couple of well, three really old men, in, couldn't we? <laughs> the youth of today, <laughs> you they don't today. talk to each other blindly, lit, lit by the glow of OS
1: thirteen. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Right, Ross. You did mention about Japan. I know we briefly spoke about this because you have connections with other companies that kind of work with. Um, what? Why were you in Japan? What was all that about?
0: So I was out in Japan um, photographing some food and a Michelin star chef for um, Panasonic. Uh, they wanted to produce some images for all their, uh, some food images to go with all their uh, white goods, uh, kitchenware and stuff like that. Um, so they wanted to have a Western twist to it. And why I sort of ended up having that, uh, I, I'm, I'm lucky enough to be a Lumix ambassador, so I use uh, their cameras. But a few years earlier, I'd actually been out in uh Dubai at the Waldorf Astoria who's one of my clients and photographing a Japanese chef there food so Panasonic had seen those results and that circle sort of came around and said we really like that can you come out and um, photograph for us so, so it was the, like
2: the Waldorf Astoria is one of your clients yes You got. how did that come about come on
0: uh, right, so I used to shoot when I was shooting weddings. This is the great thing about weddings, you can even pick up so many other clients as well. When I was shooting weddings, I used to do a lot of weddings at a place called Eastnor Castle, um, which, is near, uh, which is near the Moorwoods near Ledbury. And the marketing manager there left. She went to the Water of Astoria and she liked what I did. And she said, I want you to come out and shoot some stuff for us. Um, and I went from there, which because Water of Astoria is owned by Hilton. So then I ended up doing stuff for Hilton. Then she moved to uh, Anantara hotels in Thailand. So then I went out and shot some stuff uh, for Anantara in Thailand as well. So um, it's just keeping those connections as well. Um,
2: Wow. I I, I get the feeling, I guess Dave, probably you're going to think the same of this as well, is it's not just going to be the quality of your work that's getting you work. I would say just by the very nature of, who you are and how you behave is going to be a huge influence in that as well because you're a very personal person isn't it so i would say i think that when that something... you're good
1: yeah i think when you're as good as ross as well or a photographer like ross i think you're already comfortable with your work that yeah. your personality can come out whereas if you were some like camera straight out the box and all of a sudden you've thrown into a shoot you would panic you wouldn't you would lose all those personal skills so i think the fact that you've uh, you know you've honed your craft it allows your personality to come out and create those opportunities.
0: Uh, yeah, but you should see what goes inside my head before I go out and do a talk. My God, <laughs> <laughs> we all go through that. God, yeah, yeah. I I, I do. I in any any shoot I do, um, I get nervous um, because I want it to be. I want to hit it out the park. I want to, you know, um, absolutely excel. And I I bang on about it. I want to over deliver. I want them to be blown away, and I want them to talk about me. And that's sort of the way I tend to work. If the clients can talk about you, that that's the best form of advertising, isn't it?
2: Mm. Oh being, yeah. being nervous is a good thing. it's, it's, it's mm. kind of shows that you're not complacent. You're not kind of like, ah, I can do this, no problem. Because I think the minute you become like that, over overconfident, a bit too cocky, that's when things start to go wrong. And you're, you're kind of nervous because, you you know, I don't know about you, Ross, but I've always had the opinion with from my photography that I'm only as good as my last shoot.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And and we're very hard on ourselves as well. We look at our stuff and go, it's not good enough, could be better. Um, but one of my best contacts was when I was shooting wedding photography at a, uh, an inquiry and it was for a London wedding and she put a phone number. So actually if someone puts a phone number in an email, you think, okay, I'll call them. I, she told me she had inquired to 12 photographers. I was the only one who called her back. They owned a marketing company. I got the wedding and... The week before I was uh, meant to meet them, I broke my legs in a car crash. So I turned up to the, you know, are you going to book me meeting? Got out the car on my crutches, had the sympathy vote and uh, got the wedding. And then uh, it turned out that they actually owned a marketing company and that marketing company, uh, they did incentive travel for a different company. So one of the things was to go out and shoot on locations around the world for three years, well, two trips a year, um, and, and shoot for, for these companies. And it was absolutely amazing from, you know, from Zambia to Mauritius, um, Dubai, um, Russia, all over the place, Vietnam, it was just like, I'm pinching myself. This is just <laughs> incredible. And then, you know, we, I still do stuff for them. Um, I did a, a job up in, in Liverpool for them, uh, the other day, uh, or the other week and, um, is like 15 years on and you know we still get on like a house on fire it's really really good still got the energy and and, and that's what they like
1: well they trust you as well and someone said to me once is when you build a relationship with the customer and they're sitting there and they hear the word photography your name is the first name that will spring to mind you're the first person they're going to think of that they can trust they might have 20 like you say they might have 20 photographers contacts them saying i'd love to shoot for you but the name that's going to spring in their head is the guy they're going to hire unless you're not available so building and developing the relationships and also the bits in between is like don't just go from job to job to job is keep in touch with them in between you know how are things you don't have to be touting for work but i think it is definitely an art that comes with what you do and you know and i know glenn's obviously been going through it massively at the moment because he's going into people's homes but he's keeping in touch with them and it's it's just keeping the relationship going not just being i only need you when i need you and i need to earn a quick buck
0: exactly like you say it keeps you grounded as well doesn't it yeah and um and it's like like glenn's doing with his um with his project it's so nice just to get that personal approach where you're going into their homes Rather than them having to come into you as yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that really flips it because you know if people haven't got studios in that, and they go in and they shoot in people's homes. Um, that's such a, a powerful tool if you know if you can work that really well because they're inviting you in.
2: I, I I totally love the relationship side of things. It is completely turned my kind of photography on its head it really really has I mean do you know what I'm not just saying this but yesterday perfect example I had a phone call with a lady called Jane Barkway Harney and her dad had been one of the glider pilots that landed at Pegasus and there's a thing going on this Saturday I'm in London photographing an event where there's some money being given to a charity by a veteran and it's a it's a high profile thing but the veteran is coming up is a guy called Jim Hooper who himself was a glider pilot and Jane said that Jim, who's le- obviously he's late 90s now, and she said he's really looking forward to seeing you. And I'm kind of pinching myself thinking a veteran is really looking forward to seeing me. She goes, yeah, because she said you've really made an impact on him. She said because when you photographed him, the way you spoke to him, the way you treated him, she said it really made an impact on him, that you were just so courteous and kind, and you've kept in touch ever since. Oh, and, and, and it was, you know, because obviously veterans being photographed, there's been so many of them exploited in the past. And whenever somebody's getting in touch with them, it's because they wanted something. And Jim actually commented to Jane to say that it's not a case of when Glyn gets in touch, he wants something. He's actually giving something, which is something else that's helped them to remember. So that, that for me was just such the best feeling ever. So the relationships is massively important. It really, really is, isn't it?
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, if you can bring a smile to someone's face, it's just magic, isn't it?
1: We'd like to thank Flurn.com for being a partner of He Shoots, He Draws. Flurn make learning fun and engaging with an extensive library of pro tutorials for Photoshop, Lightroom and photography at all levels of expertise, from beginners to advanced. You can get started on Flurn from just $9.95 a month which gives you access to over 140 tutorials covering photo editing, retouching, compositing, software basics, photography and much much more. There's new tutorials every month and you can cancel at any time. For He Shoots He Draws listeners you can use code GETPRO20 that's G-E-T-P-R-O number 20 to get 20% off when you sign up. Check out FLEARN.com today how have you found taking what you do then and because obviously you know you start with a film photographer you're doing bungee jumping you've developed clients you've been traveling the world i always have a big thing about because i got into it late is standing up on stage and talking about it what where was that where was the point where that switched for you where this is like i can now i'm qualified to stand up and share this with other people
0: I, I still find the whole thing quite bizarre, if I'm honest, um, that uh, you know, we'd like to hear you talk and you sort of think, what about or what you do? And I guess at the end of the day, it's, it's just what we do. And if people like our images and I always think, a way I treat a talk is I can learn something off the people who are at that talk because um, you have a discussion and you have questions and answers and stuff. But I don't mind sharing. Um, people shared with me and that's how I learned and that's the way I sort of approach it as well. Um, the first time I ever spoke was, gosh, uh, I think it was about two thousand and three, and I was invited out to go to PTO when they did those trips oh, yeah, overseas those, and stuff yeah. like. Yeah, yeah, it was out in Morocco, and um, was, met, what was it? I got hard. <laughs> <laughs> I was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it was so good that one. Yeah, <laughs> best one ever. <laughs> it was the best yeah. one ever. But that, that, that was that was cool, and then. Um, then I got asked to but You know, you start doing camera clubs and stuff like that as well, and um, and then you start getting put on a bigger stage. And you know, you do get nervous. You know, photography show this year I did obviously the street photography one, um, which you guys <laughs> kindly hung around for. Matt, your then, your
2: audience, you, there was standing room only. That was absolutely packed.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it really yeah. it
1: was, wasn't it? It was packed. I I would say because I have to do a report at the end of it of like what were the how engaging the speaker was, what the audience were like you were in top three. Wow. (laughs) You were just like everything. If I could have asked for the perfect session of engaging speaker, great content and an engaged audience that, that grew during the talk, that's exactly what we want on the live stage. And you, did exactly that and i generally switch off i kind of i'm catch i'm walking around looking at the views checking the numbers making sure everyone's happy no one's yeah you know, um and and the speakers not misbehaving as one or two have done in the past i just <laughs> just forgot all that and stopped and watched you for 45 minutes and for, and there was some stuff i should have been doing that i wasn't but i mean so, you know no but it was great because that's you know a Glyn, you know, Glyn's better at it than i am and i'm quite new to it and it is quite nice knowing that people want you to talk about it and I think what you do is really interesting as well and you've got the experience behind you so it, I think that, and and street photography is still is I think fascinates people so much more than the the lot of It does it does
0: and it's it's also a, such a fantastic training ground as well you get out there It's look at it as a free studio. You walk around a corner, there's a different background, there's a different light and you get to understand light differently if it bounces off buildings and reflections and things like that, how the light's scattering. It's just such a good training ground and that's what I tell people as well. Go out there and just shoot, shoot, shoot. Shoot with respect, but just go out and shoot and and you'll absolutely love it. Drink lots of coffee, tea and cake. Cake. (laughs) (laughs) Cool.
1: (laughs) So let's go let's get jump into our special little section that we always do because we love the answers we get here normally glim will do it but i'm going to do it this time so we have a little section called loves and Loaths, um and we only did it because it's two l's but really loves is when people ask you about what you do what is the thing that fills you with the most joy that that you always want to express when when somebody says what what do you love about what what you do
0: meeting people uh, it's simple. So I love, I love that whole people, people interaction thing. Meeting people, talking to people, and then when they view their images, and and seeing that reaction, and then the reaction also if they send you an image of your work on their walls, and that is mind blowing to me. It's just like I get such a kick out of that. That people go, oh, look, your work's on our wall. You know, you know they've come and brought that. Um, that big uh, frame or whatever and they have hung it in the house can you see me a photo of it and it's just mind-blowing I, I, <laughs> I get awesome. such a kick out of that yeah.
1: that's a great answer as well and on the on the flip side so we do call it loaths, but it's not necessarily something you hate um it's something you wish didn't happen or you wish would change to make what you do better
0: oh social media hate it um, oh,
2: there you go See, how many people have said that now it's amazing oh really but why go on then why why social media
0: yeah I, I'd have more hours in the day I hate the facade of social media that um you know everything's all great and wonderful and if you tear back those layers you know and and talk to people it's not um <laughs> does it how, how often do people put and I said things on what Facebook unless you know their dogs passed away um Otherwise, it's all rosy. Um, but yeah, that, that I would remove social media. Um,
1: it's kind of a necessary evil now, isn't it? It's become so. It's like it, it's become such a huge part of our life that there's a lot of entertainment around it now. That it is frustrating. It is annoying. But we all use it. We all rely on it. But as I said to somebody the other day about uh, it was about Instagram, I said, "But just go back." Ten years, just go back fifteen years. We didn't have it. How did you cope? You mm. know, I tell my kids. I used, when I used to want to like ring my girlfriend, I used to have to stop at a phone box, go or go in a shop, buy a card, go to the phone box, put it in, dial a number, and hope that you know she'd reach the phone box the other end so we could talk. It was just now. It's we get we get annoyed when you used someone to wind the resp- phone up. What are you talking about? Yeah, doing yeah. that's what you do. <laughs> I used to pull the string really tight on the can
0: <laughs> <laughs> and tie the notes to the carrier pigeon.
1: But yeah, it's just like now we expect it's instant gratification. You send the text, why didn't you reply straight away? Yes, yeah. uh, why didn't and you email straight away? Wait. Why, you know, why are people not responding to my images that I've posted? It is we we kind of have to filter ourselves, and like I say to it, have a world with yourself that you don't get too drawn in. You came up with a great you came up with a great name for social media, though, Dave. You called it social oh, social media. media.
0: Social what?
1: Social social media. N e e d i e r. Yeah, yeah,
0: I like that. But I don't know, a mate. He went through a really bad patch because he got so entrenched into social social media that if he wasn't getting the response or engagement that he wasn't expecting and someone else was he was on a downward spiral he was almost getting depressed yeah it's like wow
1: and that's a whole other subject the whole mental health thing with because of the pressure of social media but i think what you do is good you get out there you get out in front of people just you a camera the conditions the light cake and coffee you strip away that even even like don't even take your phone out Don't even be tempted by it. Leave it in the car. Just walk out with the camera. Enjoy what's in front of you because so many people spend so much time looking at life through a six-inch screen. Yes, Actually, that's that's a really good point you bring up there, Dave. I meant to ask Ross this earlier on.
2: Are you somebody, and I'm going back to the street photography thing here, Ross, are you somebody that's always got your camera with you? And when I say camera, I mean a camera, a real camera. Or do you tend to use your phone a lot?
0: I don't use my phone for any street photography wow, okay. um, I use I use it for processing so I've got like Lightroom Mobile and Photoshop mm-hmm. on there so um, but I will just take the camera no backpack or anything with me um, but I don't have that with me all the time if I'm going to do street photography I'll, I'll have to go in that mindset and go out and shoot it I've actually gone out and shot street photography and not shot anything because I haven't seen anything I liked so I just won't go out and, and spray and hope I get something I will have to see something I like to take um, but and you know, I walk a lot. I, I think I walked about eight or nine miles one day when I was around London. It's easy to clock up, but uh, yeah, if I never, I always have to have a camera with me. Now I I'm not embraced into shooting my street photography on a phone yet because you can actually be more discreet using a camera than you can a phone. Plus, plus the image quality is much better on a camera.
1: Yeah, well, because it's so easy with the phone. I think it probably takes some of the enjoyment out. In the same way, talking about film and digital, you know, you'd stand there and hope everything lined up, you got it. Now you can just go, brrr, pick one out of them, and you can kind of do it with your phone. It's too easy. The fact that you've got to get your camera ready, your mindset ready, the environment ready, there's more pleasure knowing. knowing I, I, I guess the only it? reason
2: I asked that was because I know if, if I go out with my wife Anne, I won't take a camera because. If I see a picture, because I've got a physical, a real camera with me, I don't just take a quick shot. It's in thinking about composition, lighting, blah, blah, blah. And it kind of ruins the moment. Whereas if I've got a phone, quick, blah, blah, blah. Ah, that's nice, got that. Because I did, cause I'm, I guess I'm kind of thinking more of my missus and not kind of wanting to, can we just stop for a bit and take this picture? Do you know it's what I mean? Tripod yeah. out.
0: Yeah. yeah, light yeah, meter. I think, I think you probably brought up selfie stick. set up good. behind. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> right, hold on to this light stand a minute. <laughs> uh, hang on, where's my Glendoous background? There we are. Lovely, yeah. <laughs> nice plug there, Scott. Thank you very much, Ross.
2: Right. Anyway, come on. We're going to wrap up in a second. But Ross, before we do go, you've mentioned about the Lumix thing. What other what other companies are you associated with? Because I'm always intrigued by that.
1: Yeah, give them a plug.
0: Yeah, all right. Okay, so uh, Lumix, I'm an best of them. I'm an X-Rite Colorati, which is uh, – I, I uh, sort of geek out on color management. Mate, I love and, their stuff, um, and I'm
2: not just saying this for sake of it, but they
1: they have solved my printing problems. I have, love printing. And I've printing. watched your journey as well. It's oh. been amazing. I, would, awesome. I <laughs> would just like – even as a designer, I would just like to say X-Rite are amazing, and if you use code – Colour25, 25, C-O-L-O-U-R 25, you can get 25% off their website.
0: Yes, you can. You just ruin the moment. Or, the you, yeah. or you can use Ross25 and <laughs>
1: 25% off their website. So is that a 50% off then now? No, <laughs> well, yeah, no but yeah, it's sorry, carry they're on. Like, it's, they're great people. We're, we're, yeah, they're we love great
0: it. people. And you guys were up recording there the other week as well, weren't you? And um, we, we did some recordings at, at, at Color Confidence HQ as well. And they are such a, a great bunch of guys. They're full of knowledge and they're, and they're so approachable as well. And I think that's one of the things I like about them. Um, other, th- other, other companies, I um, sort of a shoot on allen chrome lights as well um and also um that, that's pretty much my my big three I, and i and i will shoot also well i don't shoot i carry all my stuff in think tank bags they have been very supportive of me as well um so yeah i can't can't fault them i do like i do like that book so
2: what's it, the one that expands is massive the think tank what's it called
0: i i've got oh, well i've got a think i've got a couple of think tanks i've got the um the retrospective 30 which looks like a satchel um,
1: yeah i've got that
0: yeah and then i've, I've also got a mind shift which is this. Side by side, if you like, I've got a Shape mind shift. Uh, Trailblazer, yeah,
1: there
2: you go.
0: But they're they're so well constructed, and I don't treat my bags very well. The, well the, the, I've got
2: too many camera bags now.
0: Yeah. I'm
1: not even a photographer, and I've got too many camera bags. <laughs> <laughs> I've got I've got the um, I got the laptop bag and the pull along. I think it's called the airport roller. Um, when I did some stuff with Kelby uh, for Think Tank back in the day, when I was Nat member um, doing that thing. I, I still use that now every trip, that bat You know, Glyn, the one I pull along? Yeah, me? the one that you, you kind of
2: lose all spatial awareness with and you trip me up. With. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah one. that one. Yeah, um, yeah. That
1: <laughs> I use it all the time. And it's great for just <laughs> chucking any old stuff in. It's so solid and, you know, nothing's broken on it. and <laughs> <laughs> my ankle. I, yeah, I think, I, I, think ankle, I, I put it. a coffee
0: machine in mine last <laughs> <I asked> year. <you. laughs>
1: <laughs> right, anyway, Ross, listen,
2: where can people find you? Where do you want people to go to find Ross Greaves Photography?
0: Probably the best ways to uh, get in touch with me is on Instagram, which is Ross A. Grieve. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as well, which is Ross Grieve Photo. Uh, you can search good old Facebook for Ross Grieve Photography. And if you want to have a look at the website, which almost seemed defunct now, don't they? <laughs> there is actually a website uh, called rossgrieve.com and you can contact me there. And I'd be very happy to hear from you guys.
2: Ross,
1: brilliant. I knew it was going to be good. Very nice and One day. is there And anyth- is there anything else you want to mention, Ross, that you also do <laughs> since we're on a podcast? Oh, well, oh okay. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I also do a podcast with Esther Ling, Matt Jacobs and Jim Cossey. It's called Talking Shot. That's spelled S H O T. And so available on all good podcast apps and on the Talking Shot website. It's the second we'll best photography podcast.
1: <laughs> 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 top top three speaker, d- but definitely second second best. <laughs> no, but it's great because we love. To, I'm, I'm forever sharing podcasts because I think it's it's, a, it's such a thriving industry and it's a great way to share knowledge and to get people like yourself on and and chat and you know talk about how we know each other and, and how we get on in this business but definitely share the love of podcasts because it's, it's you know some really interesting people out there that you wouldn't necessarily get a chance to sit and listen to and i listen to so many and almost Absolutely. it's like it's like a tv show where you feel like you know the person you've never met them but you listen to their to their show so that
0: is there's a new playlist in your car though a podcast isn't it rather than listening to music you'll listen to podcasts well, it's like yeah net, definitely it's
1: like netflix for radio as, as is I look cool. at it, I yeah. l- line nice. up, binge listen and I, it's so much more entertaining than listening to the radio because everyone on the radio seems to every other word is the word like. Yes. <laughs> and yes. I just want to throw the radio out the window. So no. Thank you for coming on the show, yes, Ross. Definitely. Really thank appreciate you, Ross. it. Because um, you know, it's nice to catch up with people that uh we don't probably only see at shows. So. Oh no! Thanks, everyone. Yeah, hey, Ross, and, thanks know. for coming to uh, Camarthen. Yeah, well,
0: hey, great YouTube channel, mate. It's absolutely <laughs> yeah. spot on. Yeah, by yeah. Way.
2: <laughs> people. Ross, quick story. Ross. Ross came along really gratefully. Came along to see a presentation I was doing at Camarthen Cameras just a couple of weeks back now. And uh, when he's turned up, I, I was running a little bit late. Although I was there when it started, it was, I was perfectly time But the traffic was horrendous. Ross has turned up and he's told me some woman's come up to him saying, "I love your YouTube channel." <laughs> thinking, he's, thinking he's me. I mean, poor Ross. Oh, I, I didn't
0: it down either. Thank you very much. <laughs> Ross doesn't look that
2: old. Yeah, I know. Uh, My
0: beard's not great. Uh, all right. all right. was probably nice then. <laughs> right. Anyway, Ross,
2: we'll see you when we see you. But thanks so much, mate.
0: Brilliant. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Thanks, Cheers, boys. So when I was out in Japan photographing some What food was that all for, about? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Sneak. It's a very dramatic uh, bodily function then. <laughs> I
0: was just yeah, going to have a big sniff.
2: God, this is, so, this really should be a video
0: podcast. <laughs> it should be, yes. <laughs> oh, look, oh, my head looks like it's about to explode. Oh, Scanners. <laughs> oh, right.
2: <laughs> so, Ross, why were you in Japan? <coughs>
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, we haven't done the art takes for ages.
1: I know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Come on! But I thought I was being we're recording this.
1: Professional as you've seen already, with this camera turning off. So, Ross, uh, <laughs> why were you in Japan?
0: I've got the bloody giggles now. <laughs> Jesus. What's Japan ever done to you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was in Japan a month earlier. That's where I was. <laughs> World well, yeah. Cup's on now, not last What's month. What's Japan ever done to you? <laughs>
2: <laughs> right, come on, you. Come on, put yourself together. Call yourself professional. Right.